Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, and I'm so excited about our guest today because he is truly an expert in the field of dermatology, skin health, and he even has his own line. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Dr. Howard Sobel, who is a top New York City dermatologist and just very, very brilliant. So welcome to the show, Dr. Sobel. I'm so thankful for your time and willingness. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I listen to your show, actually, believe it or not, all the time. And I've, I've listened to so many of your guest hosts and I've actually learned myself. Oh, that's very nice to hear. I love that. That's my goal is to make like a library of information, you know. <laughs> so. Well, you, you, you're never too old to learn. Yes, very true. I want to get started because I want to learn all about how you got involved um, in dermatology specifically. And if you can give us kind of like a little uh, rerun of, you know, how things started and uh, why you chose this uh, area of medicine and all that good stuff. You know, you start, I started out, you know, playing basketball on the low east side and how far <laughs> back I should go. You know, we win the city championship and and all of a sudden I was just, you know, five, eight. Jewish guy and I stopped growing and I realized yeah. I wasn't going to be a pro basketball player. So I went to medical school and then you have to make a decision. What do you do after medical yeah. school? I'm not, wasn't going to the MBA. That's for sure. And my best friend was brilliant and he was at Columbia medical school. And he said, why don't you take the MCATs? Are you interested in medicine? I said, yeah, I love medicine, but just as interested as you are in medicine, you have to understand medicine is as different as what field you go into yeah, okay. uh, yeah. You, you could pick from internal medicine to uh to like pathology or you know yeah or, or you know where you don't deal with people with anesthesiology some of the yeah. popular fields you know when i was first applying to medical school the most popular fields were actually believe it or not dermatology and ophthalmology Oh, okay, wow. but but they weren't, and the reason because there was a little medicine to it. Or excuse me, a lot of medicine to it, and there was a little aesthetics, and then oh, it's wow. actually switched around a little because what's happened is now aesthetics has become such incredible part part of medicine, and such a part of dermatology, and I've always had my eye on what someone looked like, how they should look, how I, even myself, how I should look, okay? I always, everyone wants to look younger than their mother or father looks. And so I got interested in dermatology and the aesthetic part before aesthetics was so important in dermatology. In dermatology, when I first started, and you know this as well, you're a little yeah. younger than I am. In fact, probably yeah. <laughs> a lot younger than I am. Uh, from seeing your picture now, but it was, if it was wet, you dried it. If it was dry, you wet it. There were yeah. no cosmeceuticals in, in products. There were no active ingredients. In fact, the term cosmeceutical, okay, was coined by Dr. Kligman in 1979. And oh, wow. it was a combination. People don't realize that. There was no term for it. L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, Lancome, no one had, if you had something that you really wanted to take care of in terms of as anti-aging, other than eczema, other than dry skin, psoriasis, 
there was nothing to treat your skin with. You went to the pharmacy and there was nothing there. So that's sort of how I got interested and in dermatology and the aesthetic part of dermatology. And that's how I started one of the first doctor skincare lines. And yeah. So I'll, okay. and I talk a lot. So just interrupt me and ask me. No, questions, I'm, I'm I could go listening. on and on and on. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm I'm just listening. No, I love that. And in your skincare line, I was just going to say is absolutely brilliant. You know, I just wanted to put, pop that in there for everyone listening because it's such a good line. And and so, but you know, I I want to ask you though, like in terms of like how you've you know you've seen so many patients and you've had over 20 years of experience in this field so obviously i mean you've seen it all right and and at that point it, i always wonder with with doctors you know we all think that we know everything but i mean in that case when you've had that much experience under your belt like what do you think about this whole industry now like when you look at it from not only like the clinicians that are in it but also like you know the brands and all this stuff like how do you how you know what's your viewpoint on it well you know let, let's let's break it down let's separate it you know we separate yeah. the skincare from the aesthetic part of it at all for when i first started believe it or not and i know i have sobel skin rx now we just started with sephora and we have it on our own line but before that i started ddf and I don't mm. know if a lot of your listeners go that far back, but DDF was Doctor's Dermatologic Formula. And it was one of the first doctor lines uh, ever in the United States. It was a complete line that got to the point that it had 100 SKUs. And do I think that's too much? Yes, it was too much. I don't think you need more than 20 SKUs in a, in a, in a product line. But we built up and every time, you know, someone had a problem, we added it to the line. It was eventually sold to Procter & Gamble. And then that's the long history after that. Okay. Yeah. And, that's, and then after that, I started Sobel Skin RX. But the key was people came to my office and they lived in Idaho. They lived in Kentucky. They lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. But they didn't necessarily want to see me. But they, their cousin saw me or their aunt saw me and they wanted, they had the same problem and they wanted to get the same product, but I couldn't just give it to them. They had needed to see me. So that's how we started DDF. That's how the mm. skincare industry started. And then everyone after that followed suit. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of, and so, so that's the skincare part of it. The skincare part of everyone wants to make their skin look better. And yes, products can make your skin look much better, but then there's the lasers and then there's the injectables. Then there's the, the parts that, that the surgery part of it all. And then it's the liposuction. So there's two parts of aesthetic dermatology and they interplay now. Now this it's a hard, it's a cross and it's sort of almost a turf between yeah. you know dermatology and plastic surgery and they intertwine very often now. Yeah, no, I've I've noticed that and also you know it's it's very difficult to want. I was interviewing one, um, you know, uh, uh, she's a surgeon and I was interviewing her and, and she was very specific and she corrected me she's like i am not a dermatologist i am a plastic surgeon i'm like okay <laughs> you know okay but i think it 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 really adds the point of like you know 
you have to really understand that there are, you know, there's a separation, but they, they are very much intertwined and there's a lot of overlap. So yeah, skin is skin, whether you're cutting skin or you're treating yeah. skin, you have to know about skin. You know, yeah. if you're applying, if you're applying things to the skin to change the skin from a, from a cosmeceutical, or you're changing the skin from a laser, or you're injecting hyaluronic acid uh, to, to increase the volume of the skin. Because as you know, the biggest thing that happens to your skin as we age, other than sun damage, other than not putting the sunscreen on, uh, the natural aging process is dehydration. Your skin yeah. loses the water content. And I'll address that probably a little later when I talk about some of these products that we have in Sobel Skin RX. If you look hollow, if your skin looks has an irregular line on the jawline, if you're sunken, and we always just think of our grandmothers or our aunts that look like the like a balloon that's deflated. Take a balloon deflated. What does it look like? It has little yeah. wrinkles. It has fine lines. It looks it looks old. It hangs. It's like a think of a a house that loses its framework, and that's what happens as a house gets older. Older, the framework collapses, and the house sinks. And that's what happens to a face. So what are we going to do? We could build it up with skin products, with fillers. And then, of course, what happens is with sun damage, we get spots on our skin. We get sun damage on our skin. We get pre-cancers on our skin. It's all inclusive, okay? Yeah. There's no such thing as taking care of one part of someone's skin. You have to take care of someone's skin as a whole. You've got to look at them. And of course, you have to ask that person. I just had someone just before this. Okay? Yeah. She said, I only want to do this. Okay. And, and you have to listen to that patient. I can't look at somebody and say to you, you know, I think you should do this. You should do this. I should, can suggest it, but I cannot tell them what to do because they see themselves differently. And they're only, they won't like you as a doctor. And yeah. you want them to like you as a doctor because you want them to come back and you want them to feel happy about themselves. So I'm not sure if yeah. I've answered your question, but I love what I do because I think most of my people walk out of here and they feel happy. Not the ones that once in a while get a little bruised, but we have lasers, believe it or not, that we have lasers to get rid of the bruises. So a person could get an inject injectable, get a bruise, yeah. get, it get a laser and walk out of here without a bruise. And we didn't wow. have that. We didn't have that years ago. We didn't have fillers that really actually last. Uh, right. No, I want to know, though. I really am curious because I've never gotten anything done on my skin personally. So as a consumer, I'm very curious. I've never gotten injectables of any kind. And I want to know, like, what, like, how much is too much? You know, because you see all these girls on Instagram and you see all this social media hype around like you know lip lip injections and you know everything injections cheek it's just like it's getting to be almost like you know people are getting addicted to it and I really want you to speak on that because I want yes. to know you know what is too much and when should you really be thinking about these things like you know this you kind know, of I, I am that's a great question because I'm a believer less is more okay mm -hmm. if you 
are in a restaurant and you could look across the room and you say, oh, that person just got treated or she's been treated, then she's gotten too much. She should look like a younger version of herself. And that's what you want. You want her to look, if you can, 10 years younger. If, if, uh, if her mother's 60 and she's 40, you want her to look 35, okay? You right. don't want to make her look like a cabbage patch doll. Those cabbage patch dolls that I see walking in here, I can't tell you almost as much as Phil I put in, I take out from other people. Because wow. some people, and it's not sometimes the doctor's fault other than the doctor not saying, hey, you don't need any more. Some, some people are very pushy. Some patients will say, I want more. And guess what? If you don't give them more, they'll go somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. And I've lost a lot of patients that way. You're too conservative. You won't give me as much as I want. But they don't realize when you put so much filler in a cheek, what happens? You close their eyes. Okay. You don't want to do that. You don't want their cheeks to look like, you know, their, their eyes to look like slits. You yeah. want to open their eyes. You want to give them a regular jawline, straighten the jawline, but you don't want to give them jowls. Okay, so all, all those things that you have to actually instruct the patient, but at the same point, listen to the patient as well. And you have to learn how to say no. Right, right. No, I, I like that. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I really feel like women and men both, obviously, but I mean, I think people, they have this like completely, you know, misconstrued conception of like what it's, what is it's going to be like when they go to a professional and then get something done. It's like, they're, they're going to look like the next Kim Kardashian, or they're going to look like, you know, uh, whatever. And it's like, you know, you can't, you can't go into it like that. And so I, it must be difficult, right. As, as for you, because I, you know, how do you, well, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is a real story. Okay. Very often patients come in and they show you pictures how they looked in high school. Now, these mm. people are now 50 years old and they show me the high school pictures. And I have someone not so not long ago who had not seen me for 10 years. She lived in Europe and she came back. I treated her and she came back a couple of weeks later and she said, doctor, how come I don't look as good as I used to look when I used to come to you? You must have gotten older and you're not as good. No, that's oh. not what happened. She got older and I can't bring her back to the way I used to bring her. I can't make her look like when she used to come to me, she was 40. I, I can make her look 30. And now she's 50. I could only make her look 40. I can't bring her back to 30. Okay. And I certainly can't bring her back to 18 uh, or, you know, our high school graduation. But I can't tell you how many pe people bring me in these pictures and you have to right away say, hey, I'll make you the best you can look for you. Understand that when someone is 60, they're not going to ever look 40. Or, 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 and if someone is 40, maybe you can make them look 30, but you can't make them look 20. And that's an important thing, an important concept that a patient has to understand. Okay, so, and it's also, and the best, another question you're probably going to ask me is, when should you get started? Yes. Okay, I'm, I so I'm asking ask. myself that question because I, I had the youngest patient I ever treated with Botox. She was 19. 
And you're going to say, Ooh. 19, are you kidding me? Why would you treat a patient 19? She was a top model. She made several million dollars a year. And in all pictures, she had crow's feet. Her parents had crow's feet. She spent a lot of time in Florida. So we did Botox on her. And guess what? I wouldn't do your normal person that's not a model that has some crow's feet. I probably would not treat her. But just like taking a piece of paper, if you fold that piece of paper constantly, what are you going to get? Yeah, a bunch of You're going to get a crease, right? You're going to edge mark. And then when you give them the Botox, giving the Botox back, they're going to say, how come I still see a line? Because that line is etched into your skin. All you have to do is look at the palm of your hand and Botox makes it able so you cannot crease that skin and form that that um, wrinkle in your hands. But at the same time, you don't use it usually on the hands other than for sweating, but think of the hand as your forehead, okay? Yeah. But once that etched line is an etched line in your forehead, you, it's almost impossible other than doing deep CO2 laser to get rid of it. You won't get rid of it with Botox. So starting early is great. Look what look at what the mother looks like. Look at the father. Look at the older sisters. Look at the grandmother. And then it'll give you a little idea when you should start that patient. So I don't, no one could give you that answer. When is it too early? I could tell you when it's too late sometimes, but it's very hard to say when it's too early. Yeah. So, I, you know, what, one of my biggest questions, honestly, also about Botox is like the, uh, you know, how much of it is allowed? Because, you know, obviously, from my perspective, I always think of things from like a toxicology perspective. And I'm wondering, like, there are women that are like every week they want to go get a Botox injection. I'm like, I don't think that's normal. And I don't think that's even, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you know, how much is like, what is the frequency at which you can um, allow patients to get Botox? Botox physiologically, and I know you do, you do a lot of research, Botox physiologically lasts about three, three and a half months. So there's absolutely no reason other than touching up somebody a week or two later, because it takes about four to five days for it to take effect. And sometimes you want to be conservative. But what you don't want to do is give someone ptosis. And if someone doesn't know what ptosis is, is that the brows become very low and someone needs makeup to that makeup, they need their hand to put up, to lift their, their lid to put on makeup. And that should never happen. So you're very conservative. You put the Botox high up in the forehead, and then you tell the patient to come back in a week, and then you touch them up. And once you do that, you shouldn't have to do the Botox for at least three to three and a half months. So there's no such thing as, there is such thing as too much Botox. Okay. Yeah. Too little Botox, there's no such thing because you could always have them come back and touch them up again. It's, you can't take Botox out. You only could put it in. So you yeah, could, so see, if that's, you're that's mis- important. That's important for you to say that to these to people listening because that's exactly the point I was trying to like get at is that I don't think that people understand like once you inject Botox, that's it. You, you know, you, you can't go to your doctor and be like, hey, my face can't move anymore. Well, that there's was, no, yeah, no, no antidote to, to uh, Botox. Now, fillers, there, there is hyaluronic acid, Restylane, Juvederm, which is made of hyaluronic acid. There's, there's an enzyme you could inject. And if you inject too much, hopefully you don't. But if you do, you could take it out. So you are okay with that. 
But the idea is don't inject too much. Inject a little, have them come back in a couple of weeks, inject a little more if they want, okay? And make them happy, but don't make them so happy to the point that across the room, like as I mentioned before, you could see they look like a Cabbage Patch doll. Their eyes look like slits and they look ridiculous, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, it's funny because people are like, well, you know, can you really tell when someone has had procedures done? And I'm always like, hell yeah, I can. I can tell immediately. I think anyone can if you look like that. If, you're, if your lips look like you got stung by 15 bees all at once, then, yeah, I can tell you had something done, you know. So I get you. I completely understand that. You know, I want to ask you, though, Doc, you know, sure. I, I, the, the next question is, is really about the skincare line because it's a very, very good line. You know, I've been using it. I really love your uh, triple acid mask. It's literally one of my favorite products at this point and I want to talk about you know what your like what the vision was when you wanted to recreate another line and how um you figured out you know which products you wanted to come out with and stuff you know again great question um I didn't know okay when I started in 91 uh DDF I in a sense and it was one of the first you never want to say the first because someone will come out and say they were the first so I always say one of the first, and that's what we were. And then we had a lot of people follow, and a lot of people did great jobs following, because you know, there were no active really ingredients, even the big brands. I was amazed in 1991, you know, that if you looked at Estee Lauder, Lancome, all the biggest brands, they didn't have glycolics, they didn't have peptides. They didn't even have the sunscreens, the organic sunscreens. It's amazing. Forget about, you know, the glycolic acids. None of this existed. So Sephora approached me and they asked me to come back again and fill a white space. And that white space was the most active ingredients, the ones that you see on all the newsstands. You'll still see in the Allure's magazines and the Glamour and Harper's Magazine and InStyle, you'll still see there's four or five active ingredients that have withstood the hands of time. So what I did is take those active ingredients and I was actually lucky in a way because I was working on a a solvent, which is a vehicle. A vehicle, for some people who don't know what a vehicle is, it's what you put your active ingredients in. And people don't realize that A lot of products are great products, but if they don't get into the skin, what's the point? So a lot of your products that you put on the skin, okay, are in emulsifiers. And emulsifiers, it's either water and oil or oil, oil and water. So what does that mean? They form bubbles. And those bubbles don't let the active ingredients get into the skin. So that glycolic acid, that retinol, okay, all those peptides are sitting on top of the skin. So I have a patent pending and I'm waiting, I'm hoping this week will be the week. Every week I think this is the week that the patent <laughs> pending will become now a patent. And we're very, very close to that. But what it does is, and we did clinicals and that's what we are. We're a doctor line, so we show clinicals. And I did clinicals on almost every product and we were able to show that we were able to have high concentration. That's the key, by the way, to Sobel Skin RX. Yeah, yeah high concentrations 
So they're basically pharmaceutical grade, but they're cosmeceuticals. Man, I was a little afraid when I had these 35%, you know, vitamin C and 4.5% retinol. I said, uh-oh, and a 14.5% niacinamide. Was I going to blow these people's faces up? And then <laughs> yeah. we saw, I, I really was. I, I used it on myself first. I used it on my wife. I used it on my patients. So in a way, I hate to use say this, but my patients were my guinea pigs. We used yeah. it on them first. And then we did the studies. And we were able to show because of the SD100, which is that patent pending base, which showed to increase the absorption. But what it did is decrease the irritancy of any of the high concentrations. So we have a high concentration in a patent pending base that goes in deeper into the skin with more efficacy. And we show that efficacy without getting into all the 90% consumer reports and everything else, because we won't have time for that. But I did, I would not do a skincare line that didn't do clinical studies and not just clinical perception studies. Because as you know, clinical perception studies are always in the 90s. We actually did real clinical instrumental studies. And that okay. instrumental studies are never as high as perception because perception is always higher. You know, mm-hmm. we were able to show 56% increase in hydration. That's unbelievable. A perception was 94% an increase in hydration. So that yeah. always sells better, you know, to the, to the client when you can say 94 versus 57. But when you explain what that means, 57, where you could have a 57% increase in hydration of your skin. That's just unbelievable. So the yeah. idea, I know I'm talking a lot, so please no, just no, I interrupt like it. me. I'm, just like, I'm agreeing. Just please continue. So, so the idea of this whole white space, and I'm, I don't intend, we have about 14 to 15 uh, products now. I'm adding two more. I'm adding something for hyperpigmentation. That's not a hydroquinone. As you know, hydroquinone is outlawed in a number of countries. So it doesn't have a hydroquinone in it. Okay. And it has the same effect or similar to hydroquinone without the irritation, without some of the side effects that hydroquinone may have, may or may not have, because that's not necessarily been totally proven. But it is outlawed in some of the European countries and, and Asian countries as well. So we, so we have... The idea was high concentrations, pharmaceutical grade, but cosmeceuticals that anyone could walk in to Sephora or walk into and order online on SobelSkin.com uh, and order it or go to you know, Sephora and order it and or come into my office and get it. And I tend to continue to order, well, excuse me, continue to add up to around 20 to 22, not what we had with um, DDF. We had literally 104 SKUs, not necessary. Okay, yeah. we only have one yeah. face and one body. There's only a morning and a night. There's only so much you could put on your face. And I'm also, I love layering um, skincare, but too yeah. much layering. I have so many patients that walk into my office and they put, they think more is better. They put so many things on their skin and I don't know what the problem is. Because, and so we have to slowly one by one eliminate it and find out which product is causing the problem. 
More yeah. is not always better. And that works no, for I, concentrations as well, by the way. But I, well, th- I think, the, yeah, sorry. I, I want to ask you though, because I, yeah, I want to ask you because honestly for me, retinol has always also been something that I stayed away from because I don't trust over-the-counter uh, things that are supposed to be uh, clinical grade. But your retinol, your 4.5% retinol complex night treatment is phenomenal. Like it is really good. Like I didn't, I, you know, for me, when I look at retinol products and I see all these like vegan companies and these cool, you know, that's cool. But it's like, I didn't ever feel like, you know, as a consumer, I'm talking, you know, obviously like it never felt to me like it resonated with me. I didn't want to use something that was supposed to be coming from a perspective of a clinician and a doctor to be used, you know, to be using it from a company that has no background in that. So this complex, like it really does work and i and i'm really curious like you know um were you nervous when you created a 4.5 percent retinol <laughs> no, no, and, and still nervous because yeah. it's been out about a year and a half and i'm waiting for that one person to say oh my god you're not gonna believe it it, it blew my skin up but so far we have not gotten that now for sure someone's gonna write it and said it did that to my skin and hopefully not because it's the way you use it okay it's in the sd100 patent pending base, but also I have them follow it with the biohyaluronic. Now, our biohyaluronic is a natural biohyaluronic that's taken from the sea. It's marine based. A lot of hyaluronic acids, which is one of the, you know, the key ingredients, it's right behind retinol. Our skin is made up of, of course, you know, collagen and elastin and hyaluronic acid. But what happens is some of the hyaluronic acids, the molecule is so big that it doesn't get into the skin. Ours is a pure hyaluronic acid, hyaluron, and that hyaluron, and if you look at it, it's it's blue because it's natural. It's taken from the marine, from algae, from the sea. So what happens when you put it over the retinol, it helps seal in the retinol. And that's another key that I forgot to say. And I, our SD100 helps lock in the water and helps lock in the active ingredients that, that, it's, that it's below. It's actually, think of the SD100 as your skin barrier. As we get older, what happens to our skin barrier? You know, it gets yeah, depleted. It yeah. becomes like cottage cheese. So what happens? Water gets out, okay, and irritants get in. So, and when irritants get in, what happens? Free radicals damage our healthy skin cells. So the SD100 mimics, what it does is actually mimics the lamella structure of our skin, the membrane structure of our skin that gets depleted. So it lays a form over our regular lamella structure that no longer looks like it did when we were a teenager. So it forms a teenager-like lamella structure. Think of like a pool cover. You put a pool cover, the pool cover keeps the sun out, keeps the pollutants out, but it keeps the water in. So what happens with with our SD100 and with all our products, or at least all the creams, it keeps the active ingredients longer in the skin, time released. I know you hear that word, time released. Sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. 
but Oz is time released because that lamella structure is keeping the active ingredient in as long as possible, keeping the water. Water is key. Hydration of the skin makes your skin look younger. Your skin is dehydrated. You look like a prune, like a raisin. And that's why we have fine lines and wrinkles. And think again, best thing I think of is a balloon, blowing that air, putting that air back into the balloon. Our skin looks more, and think of the air as water. We look more hydrated. We look younger. Now, going back to your other question, if we put too much filler in, we put too much air in, right? And we don't want that. We want just the right amount to lift those cheeks, fix the jagged jawline, lift the skin around the eye. And so it's all aesthetic. And I love to work with the patient. I put pictures up on the screen. We have this special screen, this touch uh, screen that shows them what they look like before. I show them what they look like after, before they leave my office. I make sure that they're happy with what they like. That doesn't mean they don't come back a week later and say, you know something, can you put a little more here in? I hope, but they don't tell me, take a little out because I don't want to put more than has they need or they want or they require. So, and, right. But if that happens, we have something to take it out. Be careful with Botox. You know, want yeah. less is more. I agree. No, that's a really good, I'm glad that you're saying that. And I, and I actually want to ask you, my next question is about niacinamide because this is a very buzzworthy topic, I think, especially um, in the skincare community and especially all the Instagrammers out there that love talking about niacinamide. Um, I want you to tell us what, what is the purpose of niacinamide when it comes to true health for your skin? You know, what what niacinamide for those who don't know is, is vitamin B3. Yeah. And it, it's, it's been very much studied, actually, it's very much studied by P&G, uh, and, and, and we studied it as well. And, and ours, we have, a, we have a 15% niacinamide. I think most niacinamides, if you look on the market, are sitting somewhere between 3 4 5%. Okay, ours is up to 15%. What does yeah. it do? It helps stabilize the skin barrier. But as I said before, that skin barrier that gets like Swiss cheese and little holes yeah. in it, this plugs them up. It helps increase the water content of the skin barrier, helps keep it in. It helps make the skin barrier appear and look younger. So it actually works in conjunction with my SD100 because that's what the SD100 does. So the SD100 combined with the niacinamide together you got a one plus one equals three instead of two. So I have my patients use retinol one night, niacinamide the next night, and following it with the biohyaluronic right after. So you have retinol, biohyaluronic. Next day, niacinamide, biohyaluronic. Now, could they just use retinol and not the niacinamide? Yes, but I want them to have both. And it's very difficult as there's only one night. And I want them to use it at night, not during the day. Uh, you don't want someone to use retinol during the day because retinol makes them very, um, it can make the skin somewhat sensitive to the sun. So very yeah. important if you're on retinol to use a sunscreen. And then you asked the question before that you sent me previously that I really want to address. How much sunscreen is enough? 
How yes, much SPF I was just going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. See, I, I did read your questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so, so it's, you don't need more than a 30, okay? Because a 30 will block the sun's rays by, the, 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 you know, the, there's two different rays, UVA and UVB. You want to block the rays by 97%, and that seems, that's high enough, okay? Yeah. So, but, so if you go to a, a, and say a 90% uh, SPF, so that will bring it up to a 98 or a 99. Does that 2% make a difference? No. No one makes a difference. How much you put on and frequency. You want a tablespoon on your face, okay? At least a tablespoon. You want to apply it liberally and you don't want just a, a pinch and you miss areas. And what's even more important or just as important, you want to put it on every two to three hours. There's no such mm. thing as water resistant, water repellent. Yeah, to a certain degree, but no way are you going to lie down in the Florida hot sun or, or in the, from 11 to 2 in the sun and think you're going to put the sunscreen on. And by four o'clock, you are still going to have the same resistance or the same SPF. The SPF was geared to a certain time frame, and it was within that two-hour time frame. Once you get to three, four hours, you no longer have the SPF of 30. So yeah. the 97 to the 99, I don't think makes a difference. Put it on liberally, and at the same time, put it on every two to three hours. Now, that does that mean if you're in an office, you have to put it on every two to three hours? Absolutely not. Okay, but if you're walking around, the answer is yes. I know that's a pain. You got to now take your makeup off, put the sunscreen on when you're walking home. But that's really important. I just did on myself. If you look on my Instagram, I did yeah. Fraxel on myself because I was starting to get a lot of pigmentation and I was starting to get pre-cancers. Pre-cancers, everyone thinks it's cute, freckles. Those are not really freckles. Yeah. Those are sun damage. And some of that right. sun damage is pre-cancer. And well, I love Fraxel. Fraxel, if it's set high enough, can get rid of the pigmentation, clean the palate of your skin. At the same time, it also will get rid of those pre-cancers. So you don't wind up getting a cancer and a hole in your face. So that, that is incredibly important because most people think Fraxel, eh, I don't really need it. I kind of like the freckles. Now do it because get rid of, the pre-cancers, get rid of the pigmentation. You don't have to put the makeup on as often. The face will just yeah. look cleaner. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important to address because I, you know, um, I was talking to another dermatologist and she was explaining how people are um, very, you know, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about skin cancer out there. They think that melanoma is the only one. And it's like, you know, they don't understand that there is, there's a lot of, other types and they're you know you you don't know when you're developing a freckle isn't just a freckle you have to look at it as you know there's something going on here so i'm really because glad melanoma you, yeah. melanoma is is the one that people associate with death okay yeah. and and the squamous cell and basal cell uh, carcinoma they, they not usually associate with someone dying from it or metastatic disease from it okay mm -hmm. but but certainly if you let it go the, the, the patient will wind up getting look mutilated, meaning they'll have a hole in their face. It'll, it'll scar them. 
and especially in certain areas around the face. And that's why there's such a thing as Mohs surgery, where you yeah. cut it out and you make sure you got the whole skin cancer. So the person doesn't have to come back for a second revision. So it's, it's, it's melanoma is the most important from a standpoint of life or death, but not the most prevalent and certainly not the most important in terms of why patients walk into my office. Most of them walk in trying to prevent a basal cell or a squamous cell carcinoma, and they need to be treated just as vigorously as a melanoma. Although melanoma has, a, people have a strong family history and they need to be checked out if they have a melanoma at least once a year and preferably twice a year because who should die of a skin cancer if they don't have to. Right. Absolutely. I love that you said all those things because, you know, that's something I think the public is very undereducated around is this idea of what really is skin cancer and what is it, when is it time to really explore and go to a dermatologist and get yourself checked out you know I have so many people message me and they're like well do you think I should go to a derm and every time I'm like absolutely you know anytime you don't know what's going on or something looks weird you need to go you need to go see somebody who does know what to look for and so you know this is this is definitely an area that I think the public needs to uh just learn more about, be more knowledgeable about so yeah I appreciate your, yeah, you know um, you're, you're reaching age you know where where all of a sudden, you know, past 50, you know, my yeah. mom had a history of colon cancer. So now yeah. that I'm past 50, okay, may I should have told your audience that and they won't <laughs> want to come to me. You'll think I'm too that's old. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hope that's not the case, but, but, but because I'm past 50, you know, every year, every two years, depending if I have any polyps or anything, I'll, uh, I get a colonoscopy. Okay. If I can prevent something, why would I not? So this all started with aesthetic dermatology, how I got into it. I got into it because I love the field. I love making people happy. And I, I love just like, you know, I love to play with clay. And I love to sculpt things. I make, love to draw. I, I also love to do that on a patient's face. Okay. Yeah. And where it's even more serious than just drawing. And you can make a mistake, you know, on your sculpture or, or your drawing, but you don't want to make a mistake on someone's face. But skin is skin. That's why someone just called me the other day. In fact, my wife called me and she said, you know, my friend wants to go to a pediatric dermatologist. I said, you know something, she could come here. Skin is skin. It doesn't matter if it's a baby or it doesn't really matter if it's, uh, if it's she's 20 or she's 50. Okay. Yeah. You're pretty much treated very similarly. You're not going to treat it the same way in terms of you're certainly not going to give a little baby hyaluronic acid okay, on the face and blow them up like a cabbage, a cabbage patch doll. But you're going to treat their problems in a different way. But skin is skin. And you have yeah. to understand that. Yeah, I agree. I really agree. And, you know, I want to I want to kind of round up the episode, uh, Dr. Sobel, and get your advice, because I think there's a lot of, um, you know, young people out there now, especially, you know, I know the medical school applications are blowing up these days. You know, I, I have a younger sibling and I know when he went into his uh, MD, PhD program, it was very hard for him, even though he had great scores. So I know I know people need advice, you know, in this field. And I want you to offer some advice for any aspiring dermatologists out there, anyone who wants to go into school for this or or just really anybody who wants to get involved with skin health. Well, I, I say, you know, in your area, wherever you live, you know, go, go, go 
to your, I, I have people in high school come to my office and they follow me around for a month, for two months, you know, and, and we, we leave our office open for anyone really pretty much, obviously at some point it becomes too crowded, but, but we leave room for anyone that's interested in skincare and they could trail me for a day. They could trail me for a week. And if they're interested, they could come back whenever they want you know, and as long as they kind of make an appointment and it, and it's fun. It, it's not just fun for them. It's actually fun for me. I, I love teaching them. I love the interaction. Okay. It, it actually passes my day a little quicker. It, it, it's so great to see a smiling face on someone that says, Oh, really? You could do yeah. that. Okay. And, and it, so it's, so for that aspiring dermatologist that is fine whatever field it doesn't have to even be dermatology although dermatology i think it's got to be one of the biggest growing fields in medicine because it it's it's that word f-u-n it's fun mm -hmm. it's fun mm -hmm. it's serious it's more fun now than when i was younger because it's all the things every every week i have someone else call me another drug rep from a, from another laser company sometimes I could think I could just take the name off the machines that I have because I must have 30, 40 lasers in my office. And a good thing I have a big office, but I don't know what to do with them because sometimes <laughs> they, sometimes they do the same thing. But, but yeah. companies are in competition and they compete with each other and they have a little variant of, of what the other machine does. So it's, it's how it's not always the laser. It's how you put the lasers together how you use them in conjunction. Same thing with skincare. And that's why we have the retinol, the triple oligopeptide, the biohyaluronic, the triple, as you mentioned, acid mineral mask. You know, we have the 35% of vitamin C, the 30% glycolic acid peel. That, that's a peel that you could do in your home. You don't actually come, have to come to see me in my office. You could do it in your own home, start out two minutes, work your way up, every 15 seconds, every week, depending on how sensitive your skin is. Isn't it great? I, I get letters from people all the time. So I say, I love it. I feel like my own dermatologist. I treat my skin. My skin looks radiant after a couple of days. It peels for a day or two. And I, I feel like I'm doing something proactive for my skin. What's better than being proactive? So that's what we did, I think, at least that's what I'm trying to do on Sobel Skin my second time around. I'm trying to get people involved in their own skincare where it's actually fun. They go to the medicine cabinet where they're not overloaded. I find that yeah. people's medicine cabinets are overloaded. And even when you go to some of the stores, you know, even the people that work behind the counters, when you walk over there, they don't know what to show you first. You know, and that's right. why we started actually going into some kits. Kits are helpful if you have pigmentation problems, if you have wrinkle line problems. So we're trying to, to go into those kits without an oversell. I don't want to ever sell something, something, something to someone that they don't need it. Okay. Right. I want that person to really have a problem with the pigmentation. Then we'll go after it. Okay. I don't want to sell them something there they don't care about other than if I see a skin cancer and then I'm very actually proactive and I'll push them sometimes to the point they get a little, get a little angry at me, you know, leave me alone. I don't care about it. And I said, well, I do. Yeah. So, so, yeah. but to, going back to your question. Yeah. I, I think it's important wherever you live. If you live in New York, come and visit me. 
Okay, if you live in wherever you live in Tennessee, go go to your local and call them up. Hopefully they're nice to you. Hopefully if it's not the doctor, at least you could you could jump in with the PA or the nurse. Okay, yeah. and see if you're really interested. Maybe you're only interested for yourself, but maybe right. you're interested in for your sister or your mother and, 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 and enjoy it. Go get a book. Okay. Get a lay person's book, you know, a, lay, a layman's per, uh, book. You know, it doesn't have to be a complicated book. Learn a little about skin. Learn the different layers, the epidermis, the dermis, the fat layer. Learn a little about it. So when we're talking, you know, you actually understand why we use certain products, but the product, if I had to mention to you, the product, if you had to mention, I'll put you on the spot. If you had to mention the product that's been the most studied and probably, I don't want to say the best product because it's used in conjunction. What product mm-hmm. would you think would be out there? Would be, would be it? Vitamin C. What, vitamin C would be one, retinol. Retinol and vitamin C. Retinol and vitamin C, all in conjunction. Retinol, vitamin C, and now you mentioned it as well which people don't know about, niacinamide. I love niacinamide because, as I said before, what happens to us when we get older? We become dehydrated. We become hollowed out. If you become hollowed out, just right now, as we speak, even though I can't really see you, just suck in on your, your, suck in. And and, and you'll see, you look older looking because your, your cheeks are sunken in. Everything becomes hollowed out. Everything becomes sort of narrowed and then blow it up. Not too much. And you become younger looking again. And that's the idea. And then we actually go from that to the quality of your skin, the fine lines, the wrinkles, the pigmentation on the skin. And then when you put it all together, you got a 40-year-old that looks 30. You got a 50-year-old that looks 40. You don't, you never have a 70 that looks 30. If, yeah. if that's the case, you got a phenomenon there. And, and, yeah, and that's, know. that's, yeah, that's really uh, something happened there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a fallacy. Like, if I, that happens, but yeah. I never know what to do. What do you do? What would you do? What do you do with that person that walks in and insisted? I want to look like, I did when I was in high school, and they are uh, fifty years old. I would do old. a psychiatric consultation first of all. I mean, I'm just being <laughs> very often they're that person that just broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and and they want to go out and they want to meet that person of their dreams, and they want it yesterday. And you always yeah. can't give someone back yesterday. We try no. the best we can, but there's so many things out there that we didn't have before and i'm excited personally to still be involved in this field that's ever growing and it's going to continue to grow and when we talk hopefully again and whenever we do i'm going to have other things to tell you we're going to have more things in our line and 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 you know and i hope one day you you live where where do you live well, I live in uh, I live in uh, New York and Jer- the Jersey area, but I'm actually in Ohio right now because of my parents and the holidays and stuff. Well, but um, I'm going to come invite. see you, though. I'm going to come see you. You have a personal you. invite to, 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 from me to come in and hang out with me and let's I make it that. fun. OK, yeah, skincare should be fun. Skincare is, is, is not pancreatic cancer. So, you know, skincare, you know, <laughs> is, 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 should be fun. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have a melanoma, but, but even then it's treatable. 
make sure you get to it early. But yeah. getting back to you, your question, and I still get back to it because I'm a big proponent of making sure you take care of sun damage, you know, fracs or whatever it is, put the sunscreen on every two to three hours. Put a good amount on at one time. Make sure, okay, that you don't skimp. Don't put a yeah. pea-sized amount and say, ah, I don't need any more because guess what? It's a 60 or a 70 SPF. That 60, 70 SPF is not as good as a 30 if the 30s put on more often and put on a larger amount. Yeah, okay, you so- really want to coat your skin. That's the whole point. It's like you got to coat the skin. That's The SPF is only going to block out those rays if you have a, an adequate layer and it's on all over the skin, not just like on your nose and that's it, you know? <laughs> and, and remember, it becomes less effective as the time goes on. So that SPF of 30 or 50 or 60, when I said you don't need more than 30, it becomes less effective if you don't continually put it on. That again, not doesn't mean if you're in your office, you have to keep putting it on. Okay. But also understand the light that comes through the window, you get UVA light and that UVA light actually causes fine lines and wrinkles and sun damage. A lot of people don't realize you also get damaged through your car window. Okay. Of yeah. UVA light as well. People don't realize they think oh, they're behind the glass. No, no problem. That's, there is a problem. You know, and we also believe the burning rays, which is UVB, and that's yeah. more specific to the SPF. Okay. We thought, oh, that only the burning rays were important. Not, not true. Okay. UV, UVA is just as important as UVB. It's a combination of the two. I like organic. Okay. As opposed to the uh, chemicals that are yeah. in some of the sunscreens. But you know something? To each his own. Just use a sunscreen, okay? Yeah. And okay. If, if there's a skincare, can I just say this, Dr. Sol, while you're here, yeah. is like, if there's a skincare brand out there and they're not selling a sunscreen, you right. should probably not trust who the hell's making it. Because if anyone knows anything about skin, they will know you need a sunscreen. Yeah, like, you have If, to I, have if a I started a line, that'd be the first thing I'd come out with, sunscreen. No matter <laughs> what I give you, if I don't have a sunscreen to offer you, yeah. Okay, and I'm giving you a retinol to put on your face and you're not putting a sunscreen on the next day. Shame on me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shame on me. Okay. So yes, a sunscreen is a, is a must. Okay. Well, Dr. Sobel, and- I want to just, I want to thank you so much. This has been so fun and I can't wait. I want to do a part two, like, and come up with some really, really interesting questions. Cause I feel like you're like the go-to at this point for me, for all my skincare okay. questions. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna have fun i can't wait to, to actually meet you in person i think you're gonna are gonna have a good time actually I okay agree. and I uh agree. and, and I, i'm i'm not gonna talk you into getting to do anything you're gonna tell me what you want to do i'm a strong yes. believer in letting the patient tell you unless i see something that is damaging to you okay i'm excited i can't wait and i'm I'm actually going to uh request a couple products from your line because i'm now i'm very intrigued so i'm really what, excited what yeah Whatever you want, you know, just answer Andrea and, and thank you so much. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been so fun. And I hope you learned as much as I did from Dr. Sobel. And he will definitely be back because I will be bugging his team to get him back. Um, depending on the schedule. And yeah, leave us some feedback, some comments, uh, questions. And yeah, I hope you love the episode. I definitely did. Well, so thank you again. 